The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. For a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Please pray with me. Dear God in heaven, we ask you to be here in this place with us this evening, and we trust that you are here. May my words be your words, and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. All throughout Advent, the season before Christmas, we've been reading through some of the classic messianic pieces of Scripture, that is, biblical readings about the predicted coming of the Messiah. We've been reading these classic messianic scriptures from Isaiah. And so I thought, gosh, we should just continue that on Christmas Eve. And we've seen this progression through Isaiah each week, no matter where we were reading from, Isaiah 1 and 2, Isaiah 11, 35, 49, we found a very similar structure within each of Isaiah's prophecies. He looks out onto the world and realizes that something isn't right. Things aren't the way that they're supposed to be. But he has a vision. He has a vision of a future, a future that will be different. Old ways will be set aside. Long-time fights will be ended. Enduring anger will be calmed. If you recall, in Isaiah 2... We had swords being beaten into plowshares and spears being turned into pruning hooks, the implements of war being turned into instruments of farming, of peace. And then in Isaiah 11, this transition from war to peace invades the natural world too. We have lions laying down with lambs and small human children playing with poisonous snakes. Continuing into Isaiah 35, we have rivers bursting forth from deserts and an exiled people being welcomed home. And then last week, last week, three days ago, we read from Isaiah 49, we have the Lord promising never to forget his people and promising them that a time will come when they will never hunger or thirst, when everything will be perfect and every tear will be wiped away from every eye. And in every case, it is the coming of the Messiah that makes this incredible future possible. Jesus comes, and all the battles are won. The battles between men and women. The battles between people and the land. The battles between different kinds of animals. Even the battles between heaven and earth. The enmity between sinners and God. The war is over on account of Jesus coming into the world. The battle is won. Now, 
A couple of years ago, my friend introduced me to a Christmas song of a kind that I had never heard before. The song is called This Is War. Not the title you might expect for a Christmas song, but this is a great song, I feel like. Uh, the song is by a man named Dustin Kensrue. You can look it up. And I think it fits right in with the kind of imagery that Isaiah has been walking us through this Advent. Here's how the first verse of This Is War by Dustin Kensrue reads. This is war, a sight unseen. This winter's long, it's cold and mean. With downcast hearts, we stood condemned. The tide turns now at Bethlehem. So let's continue for a moment with this image. This image of Christmas as the turning point in a war. The tide turns now at Bethlehem. Look for a moment at verses 4 and 5 of the reading we have assigned for us from Isaiah this evening. These are not the two verses that you would pick out of this reading. Not at all. After all, this is a reading with that wonderful proclamation that I read to you at the beginning of the sermon. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. This is also the reading of Handel's Messiah. A child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders. He is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. But verses 4 and 5, right in the middle there, remind us, that there's a war going on. For the yoke of their burden, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For all the boots of the tramping warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. For all the boots of the tramping warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. There is a war going on. There are infantry boots and tramping warriors and garments covered in blood. But listen to what Isaiah says. Those trappings of battle shall be burned. You don't need them anymore. There is a great battle, but Isaiah has good news. You won't need to fight it. Someone else will do the fighting. That's what we've come to celebrate here tonight. This is war, a sight unseen. This winter's long, it's cold. And mean, with downcast hearts, we stood condemned. The tide turns now at Bethlehem. The tide turns now at Bethlehem. When Isaiah says that the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light and that those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined, that that deep darkness that he's referring to, it's like he's 
doubling down on the darkness, right? How dark is it? It's not just dark, it's deep darkness. On them light has shined. And this deep darkness in the Hebrew refers to the darkness of the shadow of death. Like in Psalm 23, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the land of deep darkness, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. In 2011 and 12, when we were living in New Jersey, we lived through two hurricanes in two consecutive years, Hurricanes Irene and Sandy. Now, we were nowhere near the most brutally affected areas, but our house was flooded with one of them, and we were without electricity for more than a week with the other one. And one of the things I remember most clearly about those times is watching the aftermath of the storms on the news. I'm sure you've seen similar footage yourself. You know, the helicopter shot swooping over the neighborhoods that are largely underwater, rescue crews working to save People and all the wreckage that those terrible storms cause. And of course, I remember the nights of those storms. The darkness, the roiling clouds, the pounding rain, the screaming wind. It seemed during those long nights like the sun might never shine again. But I also remember waking up the next morning after the hurricanes had blown themselves out and seeing the sun come peeking back through the clouds. And Isaiah's words were proven true again. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. Now, the morning after a hurricane, there's still wreckage. It's still awful. But you can tell that it's past. The worst is over. The storm is gone. And what about the storms of this world? The deep darkness that we live in every day. The battles that still rage. The hurricanes that swirl around in your own life. The wreckage that you might have to deal with even when you wake up tomorrow. The storm of sin in your own heart that would separate you from God. Well, Revelation 21 and 22 say that God and the Lamb, Jesus Christ, will be the light of the world. We don't need to wait and hope in the darkness that the sun will come out tomorrow. For tonight, a Savior has been born. There will not even need to be a son, says John, because Jesus himself will be all the light that the world will ever need. So Jesus, we read, will win the battle. This is war. A sight unseen, this winter's long, it's cold and mean. With downcast hearts we stood condemned. The tide turns now at Bethlehem. There will be no need for the boots of the tramping warriors and the garments rolled in blood. It's over. The battle is won. 
But Jesus doesn't win the war in the traditional way with superior tactics and overwhelming numbers. No, he wins it in a manger in Bethlehem. He wins it on a cross outside Jerusalem. Remember Isaiah's promise. Swords are going to be beaten into plowshares, spears into pruning hooks. Jesus is going to win the battle by being the Prince of Peace. Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. He wins the war by ruling in peace. By taking the violence onto himself, by submitting to it, surrendering to it, achieving victory by being defeated. I'm going to close this evening with the words of Samuel Candy's 1838 hymn, His Be the Victor's Name, which describes the counterintuitive nature of Jesus' victory in the battle for us. His be the victor's name who fought the fight alone. Triumphant saints no honor claim. Their conquest was his own. By weakness and defeat, he won the glorious crown. Trod all his foes beneath his feet by being trodden down. He hell in hell laid low, made sin, he sin overthrew, bowed to the grave, destroyed it so, and death by dying slew. Bless, bless the conqueror slain, slain by divine decree, who lived, who died, who lives again for thee, my soul, for thee. This victor is born to us tonight. This victory is won in a manger on the outskirts of town. The tide turned at Bethlehem. The hurricane has broken and the Lamb of God is Prince of Peace and seated on the throne. You who walked in darkness have seen a great Light, You, who lived in a land of deep darkness, on you, light has shined. For unto you a child is born. To you a son is given. And he is Jesus, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, Prince of Peace and Savior of the world. Merry Christmas. Amen.